Welcome back to the Recalibrate Podcast. I'm your host, JC. Each week, I talk about my experience in ways that I've made small shifts in certain areas to improve my mindfulness, mental health, and happiness. On today's episode, I am so excited to have Ali Afnan on the podcast. I first saw Ali on TikTok where he went viral for one of his posts on navigating life in your 20s and his content really resonated with me. Ali posts a ton of awesome content on TikTok surrounding brands and health optimization, but he is also a brand builder and marketer for one of Canada's largest health tech startups called Jack and Jill Health. We cover a lot of content in today's episode, like Aliyah's relationship with alcohol, different ways that he's experimented with becoming more mindful and reducing overstimulation, some of the lessons that he's learned over the past couple of years since graduating college, and how he navigates some of his hobbies and side hustles to find fulfillment and balance with his full-time job. Before we get into today's episode, if you could go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it if you're not subscribed already that would be amazing and let's get into that episode today is actually the first time i've had a guest that i don't already know so i will let you introduce yourself and then we'll get started from there cool well yeah great to meet you for the first time my name's ali 25 year old guy living in toronto so yeah i do a bunch of different things primarily i work within brands so i'm a marketer i work with a series of healthcare brands in toronto i live in toronto and i've been doing tiktok for like the past six seven eight months now and through that have been doing like a bunch of consulting for different businesses super into the health and wellness space and like helping brands out there and reaching cool audience and then more recently just started a new letter talking about all sorts of stuff, brand related, just lifestyle related stuff, health related stuff. So that's been a big piece. And yeah, the TikTok is focused around all those things about like the work that I do within brands, marketing stuff. And then more recently, just been like diving into more of the health, the wellness, the mindfulness, the healthcare stuff. Yeah, I noticed when I was going through your TikTok, you used to post a ton of content on brand strategy. You can definitely tell that's one of your passions. And then recently, your content has started to shift a little bit over to more health related stuff, like reducing your screen time, mindfulness, you're going sober for 90 days, improving your sleep. Has that always been something that you were interested in? Or has it started to shift the last couple of years of your life? Yeah, it's always been stuff I've been interested in. So I guess like the reason I started TikTok was more of a vessel to get these clients for consulting. So I've been doing the marketing stuff for a few years now. And I remember I was working at an agency a couple of years ago and I was doing strategy for a bunch of brands and I had to go out and find my own clients as well. So I remember I was like pounding the pavement, like emailing and DMing people, trying to get them, like begging them to work with me. And uh, meanwhile, there's this other guy that I worked with who can just post like a TikTok a day, didn't really have a big follow at all. And it was like the entire universe where people were like begging to work with him. So my whole thought was that if I were to ever do it again or do the client service stuff or the consulting or an agency, I would just purely do it based off of content just so that I could have that dynamic of people watching me, knowing what I'm all about and reaching out to work with me. So that was the intention of the TikTok in the beginning as a tool to post all this marketing and brand related content. And then I would do this marketing client service work for people. Up until two months ago, it was really narrow brand focused stuff and relating it all back to brand or marketing. And then, yeah, just very quickly started hating the consulting stuff that I was doing. (laughs) It was really weird. So it was in the beginning, I was like taking on working with pretty much anyone who'd reach out through TikTok and then realized that I only really enjoyed working with one out of every 20 person. So I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I just absolutely assaulting my calendar with meetings that I hate? So stopped, stopped doing that and then 
I guess like stopping the whole like consulting business kind of freed me to post more stuff. Prior to that, I was like a slave to this marketing niche to try to get the clients. So yeah, I just got a little bit more creative and some other things that interested me. And I work for healthcare companies. So just as like a function of that, I've been super into health for three or four years. And then I'm a guy in his 20s. So the life advice stuff has been relevant as well. Yeah, cool. So you work in a healthcare job and then you also had a side hustle consulting job with brands. And then you also are starting to do TikTok now for the past five or six months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a full nine to five and then you're operating in these side hustles outside that nine to five range or is it more flexible? Yeah. So the nine to five is these brands, these healthcare brands that I work in. So I lead their marketing and creative teams. It's these companies called Jack and Jill Health. So okay. like you're in the U.S., so it's it's basically like the Canadian equivalent to Hims and Hers, if you know what that is. Got it. Okay. Where basically you get prescription products online, you get it delivered to you. So I joined the companies pretty early, was part of launching Jill, which is a female care one. That's been keeping me super busy. So that's definitely the nine to five. And prior to me joining those companies, I was working in agencies. And in a lot of ways, hated the agency world. But one thing that I really missed about it was the exposure to brands, and the exposure to founders, where every day or like every couple of days, I was meeting with five or 10 founders. And like, it gave me this crazy breadth of experience and learning how different people do different things. Yeah. And just working in isolation with one brand, I lost that exposure. So that's why I really like the consulting thing. Yeah, side hustle, nice way to get some extra income. But it was more to just like keep that sharpness and that exposure to a bunch of different founders. So that was a means to introduce that agency type feel to my day to day. But I need to find a better way to do it now. <laughs> No, that's cool. The only reason I ask is because a lot of people listening have full-time jobs. I have a full-time job. We're in this sphere where it's hard to find passions and hobbies and, you know, things that keep you sharp, like you said, outside of your typical job, because it's, it's not nine to five anymore. It's seven to seven or, you know, your hours outside of work are very limited. I teach yoga. I have a full-time job and I've also been doing the podcast the last five months. And I think a lot of times my friends will ask me, like, how do you do all these things and then still have time to go out with our friends or have a social life, sleep eight hours, like all this jazz. I know how I navigate it, but I'm always interested to see other people's day in the life almost of how they can fit in taking care of themselves, maintaining social relationships, and then also obligations that you have like a job or school. Yeah, totally. I guess, first of all, like the whole side hustle thing, it's tough to wrap your head around because it's really difficult to see yourself as an expert at something <laughs> or thinking, oh, someone would pay me outside of this job to do something that I'm into. So I think that limiting belief in yourself is like the first thing to overcome. And in my experience, I would have never had, I guess, the confidence to do the consulting type work unless I had people at agencies being like, oh, yeah, we work with you outside of this agency if you were to ever do your own consulting thing. So mm. I guess it's like looking inwardly, figuring out what are you really good at or what's the angle that you maybe have that's unique. So even though I was working in agencies and doing brain work, I never thought I was like the most skilled person or had the largest catalog of information or knowledge. My whole thing was basically that I was in this advertising industry that was largely 40 year olds in the team that I was working <laughs> in. And I just had this unique edge and giving more intuitive advice to a brand that wants to resonate with a 22 to 24 year old. It's just like getting really specialized and maybe like what your thing is. So that's kind of what gave me the confidence to do all these side hustles. And then to answer your question about the time thing, it's been really tough. You'll never have time. Like it'll never make sense if you look at your calendar, like, yeah, I can squeeze in this 10 hour a week commitment thing. So you kind of have to make time and just figure out what 
you're wasting time on. So when I was first starting TikTok, I guess we can use that as an example. I was like, I don't know how people are posting three times a day because that was like the prescribed advice for getting started on TikTok three times a day and then you'll grow pretty quickly. And I was like, how the hell are people posting three times a day? I'm sitting here scripting videos and setting up this lighting thing and recording. And then and if I miss like the daylight, I'm not going to record anymore because you get, got to get the natural sunlight <laughs> and then it'll take me forever to edit. So I just like couldn't wrap my head around how people were doing three times a day. And if I were to just fluidly go through my day to day and try to like check off these to do's, I'd never get stuff done. So for me, what works super well is just getting like really obsessive about using a calendar. Time blocking is, I think, a term that a lot of people are familiar with now and just really committing to doing things within certain hours of the day. If I look at my calendar right now, it's the TikTok, it's the nine to five with the brands I work with, and then it's the consulting. And then <laughs> this other supplement thing I'm working on it feels like a lot when I say it like that, but when I actually just break it up in terms of time in a week it gets super manageable like what i do if i look on my calendar it's okay 7 30 to 8 a.m or 8 30 a.m i'm doing the tiktoks every day filming editing and if in that time i just get one video done it's one video if i get three videos done it's three it's just like that time like whatever i can get done and then after work i give myself some time to work on this like little e-commerce side hustle thing that i'm working on with some people so that's from 6 to 8 p.m like whatever i get done i can get done in that time and then kind of all these other little small things actually for the weekend yeah, that's really cool to see. And I think a lot of times people are so quick to say, I don't have time, but then they don't take account of what they're doing in their week that's wasting time and relaxing and, you know, like being with your friends. I definitely don't consider that a waste of time. That's very fulfilling and exciting. And you need that stuff to not burn out. But I'm more so talking about, you know, the amount of time you spend on your phone and just like different things that you just don't need to spend your time or energy on that if you took that time, you could probably do something a lot more fulfilling with it. Totally. Yeah. The phone thing is nuts. That little screen time widget yeah. would haunt me. I remember a few months ago, I only got the screen time thing under control recently, but yeah, I, was, I got that little widget and some days it would be like seven hours a day, which is nuts. And then I'd be like, okay, how is this even happening? Cause I'm not like sitting there and binging my phones for hours yeah. at a time, but it would just stack up. Cause I was really bad at structuring my days basically. And I feel like a lot of people have this problem where I'd have way too many transitions in my day where it would basically be like, okay, I'd wake up, I'd have my coffee, I'd do like morning routine things. And then I'd have like an hour where I'm not doing anything. Then I'd have two meetings and I'd have an hour <laughs> and then I'd have another meeting, 30 minutes. And then all those little random transitions, it's just not enough time to get anything meaningful done. So you just kind of like on your phone doing something else, like yeah. you might go make yourself a snack. So what I found works super well is just stacking your day. So it's like in the morning, like I said, I'm just doing like, I'm getting ready to taking a shower and like doing the TikToks and then it's meetings and then it's a section for this other thing I'm working on then this other section for work. So it's just like pretty seamless transitions. You don't even have the time to be on your phone really. Right. Yeah, that's a good take. I really like how with a lot of things that you're talking about, you're not, oh, this is just so naturally easy to me and I've always been like this. You're more, oh, I actually used to be really bad at this. So I made a change and now I find more success in the way I do something. I think that's a lot more relatable because a lot of people hear these pre you know gurus and they're just like uh yeah you just have to meditate 
meditate for 30 minutes a day and then whatever. But I think you have a more realistic approach to it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I've tried it all, like every imaginable <laughs> daily routine, every book on productivity. I've done the insane two hour morning routines. And eventually, once you've done it all, you're just okay. Like a lot of this is just a waste of time. The stuff works for me. I feel like I learn really well from just going into these like extreme modes and then try to figure out what works out of these extremes and then just make my steady day to day a little bit more closer to that extreme. But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I've also been someone that has spent a lot of time, you know, reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, all of the things. And for me, it was overwhelming because I felt like so many people were prescribing this is the right way to do something. And everyone wants to, you know, feel happier, feel calmer, more focused, more productive. And if everyone is saying this is how you get this XYZ, it's like when you try it on in your own life and it doesn't work, it's a little discouraging, I guess, or you're like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why did this work for this person? and not me those periods of extremes I think are easy to get into but then it's not sustainable and you burn out but it's cool to hear your perspective instead of feeling of burnout I think what you're saying is like you take the lessons learned and then apply them in a more sustainable way is that what you do yeah exactly yeah in in a more sustainable way like we can get into the alcohol thing but I've always had a really hard time just like mixing in moderation into Mm -hmm. my life it's just kind of like a part of my character for some reason those extremes have felt incredibly easy where it's like yeah okay I've just like made the decision to do this like no alcohol thing I don't have to think about it now I'm like I can do it whereas like it would feel really weird to just be like okay I want to start drinking less I'm just gonna be really conscious about okay like this weekend I'll only have one drink and it'll only be on Saturday (laughs) whenever I start doing stuff like that it's really tough to stick to because I don't know where the line is it's like okay my like Saturday is my day to drink then so it's my friend's birthday on Wednesday am I gonna (laughs) drink or am I gonna not drink and then even the days where I am drinking it's met with just like guilt and shame and you know there's just no point in doing it so I'll just go into the extreme and just like do it for long periods of time figure out like what the benefits were for me and if it was worth doing and then let's say after that three month period I'm like okay this was really good I still want to go back to like maybe having casual social life with alcohol involved but I saw all these benefits health wise and like productivity wise of going long periods of time so it'll be part of my yearly routine now where I'll do these little reset periods that's interesting yeah I've experienced the same where like periods of extreme are more easy for me to navigate and I think it's because it's less mental energy to go back and forth with yourself and not even just with drinking with a lot of different areas once you just say okay this is a thing that I'm doing and you don't have to keep spending that mental energy but then like I also go into a place of is that really the most healthy mindset because you know life is fluid it's supposed to be dynamic and you don't want to live in this period of restriction I think there's a way to find a balance in it but from a boundary standpoint I think it's easier to do what we're talking about yeah 100 percent. and it's just all about figuring out what the purpose of the extreme is yeah. Like I, I've done weird ones before where I've been like, okay, I'm super busy with work. All the social stuff is taking up too much time. And I really need to isolate myself this month <laughs> and just stay at home and work. And then two weeks into that, I'm like, I'm miserable. What yeah. are you like, at what cost am I doing this extreme thing? I don't know. Figuring out the why is super important. The whole time I was doing like the alcohol thing, I felt so good doing it that it felt worth it. And it didn't feel like I'm doing this insane thing. So yeah, just like, I guess being super self-aware in terms of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into the 90 day no alcohol thing because I think this is really interesting and obviously very popular right now because dry January I've seen so much content on people not drinking I had a similar like relationship with alcohol where I didn't drink that much in college 
after college for me it was covid and after covid it was binge drink city i think everyone had that overcorrection where we were going out three nights four nights a week i felt awful all the time i was super anxious then i don't know i went the other way where i was like i'm not drinking at all so that was an interesting period to navigate i'm still more so on that side but if i'm in the mood too i will but i think People are asking, how do you go out with your friends and not drink? What do you do if your whole friend group is into drinking? What has your experience been with that? Because I think that's a big question that people are having right now. Yeah, totally. My experience with alcohol has kind of been like the inverse of you, where I was drinking a ton in college, going out all the time, like four or five times a week. And it felt super sustainable because I had, uh, <laughs> had nothing really going on. Started my day at like noon, no problem. So I developed some pretty messed up habits and relationship with alcohol there, where I like really closely tied it with just the social element of life. And I couldn't grasp a world where I'd go out or see friends or be in like an environment that was social or go out for dinner and alcohol wasn't involved in it. And my perception of that was that everyone around me was doing the same thing. So everyone in the world does the same thing. And then COVID was this pause for me where, you know, everyone's life was in standstill. And then I started thinking a little bit more critically about my life and my habits my health and stuff like that. I tried scaling back the alcohol a little bit. You know, I was reading these books and podcasts about health. And, you know, honestly, like tell you the truth, the health component of alcohol never really was like the big motivator for me until like more recently, I've been like super into the whole like health optimizing thing. So it brings a little bit more true to me. Ultimately, it came down to this piece where I started taking my career and like the things I'm working on really seriously in like around 2020. And uh, I realized that I just couldn't coexist with this binge drinking lifestyle and also throwing all these different things into my week and my calendar, like the side hustles and the TikTok and stuff like that. The productivity angle really was the push where I'd be like, okay, remember is an extremely busy month. I have all this client service work. I have this other nine to five work going on and I got to get the TikTok up and running. So I'd be like, okay, I can't drink this month because I can't afford to wake up and miss my TikTok window of hours. I have all this stuff to do on Saturday during the day, so I can't go out and drink on Friday night. So I'm just going to spend this month not drinking alcohol and get all this stuff done. And then at the end of that month, I'd be like, yeah, I felt like I got three months worth of stuff done in one month. So the productivity is like way crazier than I even imagined. And then there was all these health benefits where my energy was through the roof. I felt like my face was like less puffy and looked <laughs> better. And the stuff I was doing in the gym was actually working. It wasn't just, I'm just doing it for no reason. I just noticed all these other insane benefits coming out of it that I just started challenging myself to do like longer and longer periods without the alcohol. Yeah, I know a lot of my friends are doing dry January right now and they're like, we have so much time back. We can do so many things on the weekends. I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel all the time. But I'm not trying to demonize it. I don't think there's yeah. a place for it. And I think I've had super fun times drinking. I've had really fun times without drinking. I think it goes back to what you said before of what's your why? What are you trying to focus on in that period of time? And if that truly is what you want to focus on for a period of time and you really want to do that then go for it if it's not affecting you in that way sure you know like you you have an aura ring don't you also oh yeah yeah the like right the o-ring just to see the effects that it has on your body is actually wild i think i was like yeah drinking's not that great for my body but i was like whatever and then once i saw it in front of me every morning i was like holy shit this is wild the actual effects that it has on your body and you know i was spending a lot of time taking supplements doing all these things and then i realized if i'm gonna do all these things and then go out and binge drink for like two or three nights a week it doesn't matter you can meditate all the times in the world and sleep enough and you know take 80 supplements and if you're gonna drink it just counteracts it totally the sleep was the craziest side yeah. effect of the alcohol and i never realized it it's terrifying now that you mentioned it 
your ring was actually like a big part of it. Yeah. So in these periods of time where you're not drinking, will you go out with your friends but not drink? Or do you just not go out at all and you do other stuff with your friends? Really good question. So I'd say in the beginning when I first started doing it, I just didn't trust myself in environments mm-hmm. where alcohol is around. So I'd really isolate. I was like, I'm embarrassed to like, tell people I'm not drinking. And, you know, I was telling myself all these stories as right. to, you know, why it's embarrassing to not drink or whatever. And then like very quickly, I was realizing that in taking away the alcohol, I'm also taking away the social element in my life. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that trade-off because, you know, I also don't feel great going long periods of time without seeing people. So I've been doing it in a lot more healthy way now where I was a little bit more deliberate and, you know, like telling people what was going on. And very quickly, that whole experience just dispelled all these stories I was telling myself. Like, None of my friends cared. When I'd go out, someone might ask me once, like, oh, you're not drinking? And then not again after that. My social life was able to coexist with the not drinking alcohol. Admittedly, it was really tough to just stay awake that late without alcohol. Yeah. But if I was something that I really wanted to go out for, it was like a friend's birthday, an event or something, I would just have a coffee before going out and I was fine. And yeah, you just learn that you don't really need it. Yeah. Now I feel super comfortable just going out, doing things. And my social life looks exactly the same today as it did two years ago, heavily entrenched in alcohol. Yeah, I've had a very similar experience with that too. I think more so being able to convince yourself that you can still have fun in these environments without alcohol and feeling comfortable with it and being confident in your decision. Definitely the hardest part for me was the staying up thing because I don't think people realize like how much alcohol just can keep you going for hours. So yeah, my number one, I could have just as much fun sober, like dancing, singing, and the number of things I'll get tired at like 12. Like I just cannot sustain the same thing. But the coffee is a good fix for hanging in there if you need to. But I think it is an exposure therapy thing. A lot of people have told me to, oh, I actually really want to drink less or I want to stop drinking, but I'm scared too or whatever. So I think a good advice there if people are in that bucket is definitely at first, if you're starting and you're nervous, you can have like a seltzer or whatever. People don't know the difference. And then asking one of your friends to go sober with you for a night or, you know, trying to make other activities. It's interesting how you were referring to pairing drinking and social together. But there's so many activities that you can do that don't involve drinking. Yeah, totally. And I had the same experience with you when I was taking these breaks from alcohol. Other people or friends were just like, yeah, I want to do this as well. Seems really cool. And I guess just like seeing me do the same things they are socially, but minus the drinking. But yeah, that was the other thing. I'm in these environments where alcohol is a centerpiece and I felt kind of uncomfortable being in those environments not drinking and I could navigate it pretty well I'm pretty outgoing I don't need alcohol as like a social lubricant where I need to talk to people but I feel a lot more comfortable in environments where something else is the centerpiece which isn't just like walking back and forth from a bar. I go to a lot of comedy shows now. I do a lot of workout stuff with friends, classes, or just group workouts and more daytime stuff, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to do. Yeah, I like that. I was talking about that with a friend a while ago. It's like finding more activities where there's alcohol there. Sure, that's fine, but it's not the main event. It could be like the (laughs) add-on, but exactly like you were saying, you're at a comedy show and people are drinking, but that's not the purpose of the comedy show. So I think it's finding more things like that too. And also a piece of it for me, it was like I was looking back at a period of my life and I had no tangible memories other than just like rinse and repeating the same thing every single weekend. I was going out, getting super drunk, waking up hungover, having a hungover day, not doing anything. And every single weekend was just doing it over and over again. And then like I looked back at a span of three or four months and I hadn't progressed on any of my goals. I felt like shit. That was, yeah, I had the exact same experience where I was like, I I don't remember a lot of stuff from college. And the anxiety for me was just so rough. 
Yeah. I would go out, I drink a bunch. And first of all, my sleep's horrible. So I'm just like waking up every hour already. Whenever I drink, I'm up at 6 a.m. Like yes. no matter what. I can't so, sleep in. It wrecks me. Even if I go to bed at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., I still wake yeah. up at 6 or 7. 100%. And when I mention it to people, a lot of people seem to have the same thing. So I'll wake up at 6 a.m. exhausted. And then I'll just like wake up in like a panic. <laughs> Like, where am I? So disoriented. I'll check my phone. I'll be like, okay, did I like story anything crazy? Did I like text someone something crazy? And I'll go back to bed and I'll do that every hour until 8 a.m. when I like ultimately have to scrape myself out of bed. And I'm like, this is just such a miserable experience. Yeah, it's wild. I'm interested to see how it, you know, changes over the next year or so. I just did a podcast episode and I had read a study that our generation was more likely to set improving their mental health as a New Year's resolution more than any other generation. And that's never really been a focus that has been talked about in that way before. So a lot of other mini episodes that you talk about with your Navigating Life in Your 20s series are kind of surrounding that. Your first one that I watched was like, get comfortable with starting over. And I thought that one was cool. Where did you get these initial thoughts from to start this mini series on Yeah, I've been journaling since I was 20. I'm 25 now. So for Mm -hmm. five years, daily. In the beginning, like first couple years, it wasn't daily. It started out as I would write like handwritten goals down. It was a little bit more deliberate. I was doing like gratitude journaling. And then a few years ago, I read Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, Mm -hmm. where he was basically like journaling to himself every day since he was 18 years old and had this crazy catalog of, you know, stories of his experience going through life. And through his 20s and 30s, being in Hollywood and transitioning careers. And I don't know, I romanticized that experience of going through your life, having a crazy handwritten story, one day being able to write a book about it. I've always had a really tough time sticking to like a daily meditation practice. But for some reason, I just really enjoy handwriting. So it's always been really easy for me to just wake up and journal. So I do the journaling in a couple different ways where I'll just write a page and I don't try to like have any prompts or intention. If I sit down and I'm writing it at 7 a.m., it's whatever my self-talk in that moment is. So it's just like whatever pops in my head in the time that I'm sitting down and writing it. But it's had a couple really great profound effects on me where, first of all, it's been like the best way for me to track progress in my life. For some reason, I feel like my existential memory really fails me in my ability to like look and track progress where if I like go through my week, I'm like, okay, Monday, I had this problem at work. Tuesday, I had this problem. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this problem. And the way my weeks go is like I'm taking four steps backwards. And then at the end of the week, I'm taking a massive 10 step leap forward. But because of all those setbacks in the middle (laughs) of the week, your existential memory is that you're like constantly failing. But I use the journals as a tool to kind of go back and read six months into the past and be like, okay, these small, trivial, like benign things that I was worrying about six months ago were actually resolved rather than just trying to think back to three days ago. And it's like, that stuff's not resolved yet. So I'm going nowhere. The journal, you've been a really great tool attracting progress. But I also just went back and I've been reading them recently. And I found some gems of life advice I've been giving <laughs> myself. Supposed to me. I don't know where all this stuff came from, but I was just like writing to my future self. And uh, yeah, I was just kind of like going through and synthesizing a lot of that stuff and like finding patterns and things that were going on and just kind of writing down notes in my phone of this timeless life advice to myself in my 20s. Yeah, I loved what you said. If you had your progress on a chart, it wouldn't be linear. And so many times people are comparing themselves to their friends or family members or what they think that their life should look like and what success looks like and 
they put so much pressure on themselves to just keep going up and up and like taking the next step forward. And it leads to a lot of self-criticism and, and doubt. And I think it, a lot of people would resonate with the fact that they're unhappy in a certain area of their life, whether it be like they picked the wrong job or they're not happy in their relationship or, you know, like they're not happy with whatever factor, but they feel stuck. You know, the sunk cost. I've spent three years doing this or I've spent five years or I don't know, even you've spent 20 years like doing something that you're not happy with. What are some ways that you've been able to, you know, talk yourself or coach yourself through getting past that sunk cost effect? Yeah, totally. So I just realized pretty recently that a lot of my disposition or a lot of circumstances in my life were just a product of a decision I made when I was 16 years old and I never mm. questioned it, where the degree that I chose to do in college was just in grade 12. That just happened to be my economics was my highest mark in grade 12. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I'll commit my life to this degree and this career or whatever. And then, you know, like you stumble through these different paths and these careers and the people you surround yourself in college are super circumstantial. It's like whoever maybe you were in your dorm with. So... Yeah, I came out of college and realized that the people I'm around, the things I'm doing, my day to day, they're not really like things I've deliberately chosen. It's just been situations that I've found myself in and given not a lot of thought to. So yeah, I just spent a little bit of time breaking down whether it was like pieces of my identity. I'm like, am I actually this person or is it a label that was ascribed to me and I just continue to live in consistency with it? Are the things that I'm doing actually fun for me? I was in the sales job and that was just this transition from what I was doing in school into like the next job into the next job. And I was like, no, I actually hate this. So <laughs> yeah, like for me, the sun cost fallacy, I'd always tell myself like I'm 20 or 22 or 23 now. And the starting over now is a lot easier than trying to start over when I'm 30 or 40. Not to say that you can't start over when you're 30 or 40, you totally can. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just like lately have really been feeling like if there's something that I'm unsure about, I should challenge it and try to restart it or start from ground zero now and just set up the ideal state in every part of my life now so that it can just be a lot more sustainable. I feel like when you're in college or coming out of it in your early 20s, you think in a really short time horizon, mm -hmm. like you're making decisions to be like, how will this impact me in the next six months or the next month or whatever, you know, your job, oh, can I make enough money to save up for this in the next six months? Whereas I think as you get older, you just start thinking in time horizons of a decade. Can I do this thing for a decade and it'll still be just as fun for me? Will this pay off for me in like a meaningful way in a decade or the people I'm around going to be around in a decade? So I think that really forced me to really think about, okay, if this isn't going to impact me in a meaningful way in a decade, I should probably restart and start from scratch. Yeah, definitely. I think your 20s, the main focus is getting comfortable starting over, like you said, and knowing the point of it is really to experiment with a lot of different things and find out what works, what doesn't work, who are you, what does make you happy? Because exactly like you said, you talk about this in your videos too, taking back ownership of your identity because for so much of your life, you've just been like, oh, you're smart because you got a hundred on a test or you're shy because you don't like to talk in class. Or like you said, like you picked your entire job off of what you did best on in the school <laughs> subject. And so everyone does that because what else, what other experience do you have? And you're just in such a limited environment. And I think being in your 20s and 30s is like a time where you just have so much leeway to experiment and to start over but starting over is really scary and people are so hesitant to start something but then the time passes anyway whether you do it or not like you think oh like a year is such a long time I can't wait a whole year that's like the longest amount of time ever but then the year is gonna pass whether you do it or not so why wouldn't you just try it if you're really unhappy with something Totally. I completely agree. And I was telling myself that story with a lot of things. So ah, it's going to take so long. 
And I think for me, ultimately it boiled down to an inability to just understand delayed gratification where everything was just so instant, everything needed to impact me right away, like this week or this month or something that I had a really hard time doing things that wouldn't pay off for six months, it would pay off big. That's just like something I've really been trying to teach myself over the past year, getting really comfortable with no results for a really long period of time, but just like having conviction in the fact that eventually in the long run it will pay off. Weirdly enough, TikTok's been like the biggest teacher in that. Just yeah. like the emotional roller coaster, and like this is I'm not growing, nothing's yeah. happening, and then just like posting it, not making any money, not doing anything, and then eventually it just starts taking off pretty quickly. For sure, I think that is something that I struggle with too, and that a lot of people struggle with. We're so used to just like getting anything we want in a second, the instant gratification, the instant dopamine. I'm very into mindfulness and meditation, journaling, reading are three things that I do very often. These past couple of weeks, I have been not able to read a book. And the only thing that snapped me out of it was your video. You were like, oh, the biggest indicator that you're probably like starting to get in one of these periods is you lose the patience to read a book. And I was like, oh, you're right. I haven't been able to read a book in two weeks. And for me, that's a long time because usually I enjoy getting into bed reading a book before I go to sleep. And lately I've just been on my phone. So I was thinking about the dopamine detox. I was like, oh, I have to do it. I already have the grayscale set up on my phone. I want to do it for a week or so just to, you know, get back on track. But for anyone that doesn't know, you want to explain what a dopamine detox is and then your experience in going through it because you've done a couple of, right? I do, I do it quite a lot. So I made a video recently about overstimulus in the brain that you can relate with a lot of people. Yeah. Where, you know, whether I'm listening to podcasts in the background or music or on the phones, people or just on TikTok, I'm just constantly getting these like quick pulses of dopamine and it just getting really accustomed or acclimated to that makes it really tough to do things where the pulse of dopamine is extended over a longer period of time. Reading a book isn't like TikTok where every 15 seconds you get a refresh. It's you're sitting there and doing it for like 30 minutes to an hour and that release is spread over that 15 minutes to an hour. So things like that or meditating for like 15 to 20 minutes or going for a walk without AirPods in, they're all things that like get really tough for people when they're just like constantly comfortable with this barrage of stimulus. It's really tough to escape that in a normal way where you're just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to stop being overstimulated <laughs> and I have to go into this extreme period. I like to think of it as a boredom mm -hmm. to escape the stimulus. So dopamine detox is basically removing all the things from your day to day that pulses your dopamine or spikes it artificially too high and basically just learning to do things that are like peaceful and calm and that don't spike your dopamine. And then in doing that for a week, you learn to feel really comfortable in the kind of like mundane day-to-day -day stuff. And your brain doesn't really crave the overstimulating stuff like TikTok and social media and other stuff. So there's a bunch of different stuff on TikTok or YouTube, like people's dopamine detox practices. There's books on it. I just try to think of it in things that I feel like I'm addicted to in my day-to-day -day in terms of like compulsive behavior. So mine will mostly root off of my phone, the screen time on my phone, the like use of social media and the minutes I'm using social media, the time in which I'm just like listening to podcasts or music where I could just be like processing thoughts and then reading is like a really big one. And I mentioned that in the video, like you were saying, if I'm reading a book and my mind's just going somewhere else and I constantly have to reread, or if it just takes me twice as long to read like a few pages as it would normally, I'm like, okay, my brain's just, it needs a reset. So I do do the dopamine detox then. Yeah. And something you said was interesting about your experience with meditation, you know, seeing your brain as an inbox and the more you overstimulate the more it just gets fuller and fuller with those thoughts that you're overstimulating from just don't 
disappear. Like usually they just keep piling up and it prevents you from moving forward or like experiencing personal growth or being more present because you're not dealing with any of the unresolved thoughts that you're having. And I definitely find that to be the case. If I'm in a period where I cannot be alone with my thoughts and I'm listening to music in the shower and have my headphones in at all times, any moment of silence is not allowed. My brain gets so full and I feel like anytime I don't have that stimulus, it's just skyrockets. But people are scared to have those periods of silence. Totally. Yeah. And you don't realize it because I mean, you're like passively consuming the stuff. You're walking around getting ready for work, at least for me. And like I'm listening to podcasts in the background. Like that doesn't feel like stimulus to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like kind of getting ready for work. It's just this thing on yeah. in the background. But your brain is just focusing on two or three different things at once. And unless it's like quiet and peaceful, you might be thinking of thoughts, but it's really tough for your brain to actually process and resolve them. Like mm. you're opening an email in your inbox. So yeah, I definitely had that experience where I would go through weeks of this overstimulus. And then let's say I had to sit in a sauna for like 15 minutes at the gym. I'd be like, has it been five minutes yet? And I would just get so erratic about the time. And I just couldn't sit there and be bored or peaceful and think of other things. My mind was just going like a mile a minute. I was thinking of things months into the past of something someone said to me that was just an unresolved thought that I guess I was just burying with all this noise. Yeah, that's interesting. One of your episodes was talking about, you know, relationships and that phrase, oh, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with, which that's scary to me. I actually like don't like that phrase because it makes you overanalyze your relationships with people way too much. You're like, oh, my friend does this and I like that, but they also do this and I don't like this. Am I going to do that if I spend too much time with them or whatnot? And what you said was really comforting to me because you said you see your friends in these categories, right? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it's this really weird, hardcore, like hustle subculture of <laughs> talking YouTube. It was like, you know, your friends are all losers. Like, cut them off tomorrow. Yeah. And part of me for a small period of time was like, oh, like, that's why things are going wrong. Like my <laughs> friend, it's really easy to just like deflect blame onto other people. Yeah. But I don't know, you kind of feel like if you have your bearing and you have an ability to be self-critical and look inwards, it's really easy to know, okay, I'm lacking in this area, I'm lacking in this area. And I do it the other way around where if I feel like I'm lacking in a certain part, I'll just surround myself with people who can maybe bring me up in that. If I want a lot of exposure to content creators to learn more about TikTok, I'll like source that out and I'll find people to help you with that. But I feel like friendships are very different than these transactional relationships where you're trying to like learn from people and be around people. And I have no problem with the notion of like relationships being transactional. I feel like even friendships are transactional. Like you feel good around being with people. You guys are maybe emotionally offering something to each other. Everything's transactional. So whether that transaction is, you know, having like escapism with your friends or whether that transaction is me choosing to be with someone to learn from them or get opportunities out of them. I think that's all fine. I just like to be super intentional in why I'm like spending time with them. And I don't feel like your social interactions need to all be to lift you up career-wise. I feel okay if I'm going through Monday to Friday, seven to seven, just working on this one thing and like the same monotony of the same three tasks over the course of a week. The last thing I want to do is go out for dinner with my friends and like, okay, so like, how did you guys work on this one thing? <laughs> it's like, keep talking about the same thing I was doing all week. Like my closest friends, we never talk about work. They barely know what I do for work. No one really asks, not that they don't care. All of us are just spending Monday to Friday being ragdolled by these insane careers. And then we just want to talk about other stupid stuff. So I don't know. Those are my favorite, most fulfilling relationships or has nothing to do with my left brain work type stuff. 
Yeah, I feel like that's such a refreshing take. And I've never heard someone describe it like that because instead of, you know, just cutting everyone out that doesn't subscribe to like the same exact lifestyle mindset that you have, if you feel like there's something that you're struggling with, it's better to, you know, add in than take away. And it's probably so much more balanced and fulfilling in that way where you have your bucket of people that are helping your personal development. You have, you know, that more transactional, for lack of a better word, networking time that you can talk about different things. And then you have your friends, which have nothing nothing to do with all the other things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Totally. Yeah. 100%. I think in the video, I described it as, you know, people you'd want to go on vacation with. Yeah. It's would you want to go on vacation with people from work or (laughs) people who talk about work with you? Like not really. Yeah. Okay. I love all of your takes on this. I was telling you before the episode, you have a lot of one-liners that have stuck with (laughs) me for the past couple of weeks since I've seen your episode. So I appreciate it. My last question for you is one of the focuses of the podcast is to shift perspectives on things, like help people think about things in a different way so that they can find their own ways to experience more mindfulness or happiness. So I'm interested, what was the last thing that you changed your perspective on? The last thing that I changed my perspective on is the goals that I'm setting. And I I started treating goals really differently this year in 2023 than I have in the past. Again, like slightly alluded to this in the video, but it was a really weird session sitting down at end of November. Again, was going through these journals, reading old goals. And let's say I had a list of 10 goals in other years in the past, you know, maybe like five were checked off or I didn't even think about two of them, like the circumstances surrounded them changed. So like they weren't even reasonable goals anymore. But my whole thought process and my perspective shifted on it because I was like, why am I just making these trivial goals that, you know, maybe I'll achieve, maybe I'll not achieve it. Just like feel good to sit there and think that you've written them down. So you've gone 50% of the way there. And my perspective around goal setting changed where I'm like, okay, these tangible, numerical, like quantifiable goals, like those only make sense to do monthly because the context around those goals will stay pretty relatively the same within that month. Let's say if I want to make a certain number of income this month, it's very easy for me to do the things over the course of the month. Maybe get a new client, do this, do that, make that happen in the month. But in terms of a yearly goal or things you want to achieve in a year, I realized that I only really want to work on character traits. So things within myself that I can change that will maybe help reach these other quantifiable goals more quickly. So yeah, like now the way I treat yearly goals and yearly resolutions is just three character traits that are in the back of my mind throughout the year. That's so interesting. I love that. That's like how James Clear talks about habits and identity-based habits instead of just setting goals because the way that you actually achieve those goals is through changing your identity or improving a certain character trait. I do the same. I, I hate New Year's resolutions because I think that they're just arbitrary and put a lot of pressure on people. But I usually have a focus word of the year. So that's something I do every year. And I like try to live a lot of my interactions and actions through that one word. So I love that you're working on the character traits. That's super cool. Yeah. What's your focus word? My word of the year is abundance. Abundance. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. What's your number one character trait that you're working on? Okay. My number one character trait is, I don't know if it's a character trait, but the thing, like the yeah. one, another one-liner for you is, <laughs> uh, is what kind of person are you when nobody's watching? It's really easy to get rewarded for good behavior, or like doing good things when people see it and when people reward you. But 
the kind of behind the scenes consistency of rewarding yourself for waking up on time and doing the things in the morning that nobody sees is what I really want to focus on. Yeah, I love that building the self-trust and building up the relationship that you have with yourself and knowing that, you know, you can get through that consistency, even if no one is watching and you're not getting that external praise from it. You got it. That's amazing. I love that. Okay, cool. Where can everyone find you and your content? What's upcoming for you that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm most active on TikTok. You can check me out. It's at ali.afnan. It's just my name, A-L-I dot A-F-N-A-N. So follow along there. I post a bunch of content still about marketing and brand. I post a lot of my journey in improving and optimizing my health, a lot of mindfulness stuff. So life advice for your 20s. If anything like that seems interesting, check out the TikTok. I just started a newsletter with a couple other creators on TikTok. So that's like the hardcore marketing brand focused stuff. So if you're launching a business in 2023, need some cool advice on how to resonate to Gen Z audience, you'll really like that. I really enjoyed this podcast, so maybe podcast soon. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're new here, make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day or night or week. I am so, so grateful for all of you for listening and for following along. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you.